The Convergence is back. Cobra Convergence 7 is about to begin. This July, Cobra will again turn the world blue. Cobra Convergence is an annual month-long event when G.I. Joe fans from around the world come together to celebrate G.I. Joe's enemy, Cobra. 31 days, 38 presenters, including podcasts, YouTube channels, toy photography, and more. The G.I. Joe fan community will present special Cobra content every day in July. Sergeant Slaughter's Slaughterhouse, Woodman, 29, HCC 788, Sparkster, 1701, It's Chad, What's on Joe Mind, Cobra Island, A Toy Kinda Move, Talking Joe, Go Figure, Real American Brian, Snooba's Corner Cafe, The Full Force Podcast. Go to hcc788.com for a calendar of presenters. Follow them all so you don't miss a single episode. This year, Cobra has deployed their spies, infiltrators, and double agents to destroy G.I. Joe from the inside. You never know who could be a Cobra agent. The Skull Review, Joe Motion Videos 82, codenamed Cujo, Half the Battle, Peg Warmer, Jay Bartlett, Chaplin's Assistance Motor Pod, Toy Connection, JLS Comics, Action Robot Punch, Audible Interlude, Order of Battle, Yorktown Joe. Cobra's Espionage Division is looking for more spies and saboteurs. You can join the wave of blue and march with Cobra to world domination. Check hcc788.com to learn how you can join. The Joe on Joe Podcast, My Side of the Laundry Room, Rob Vegas, Steve Photo Viper, G.I. Joe Bird, Ratface 44 Review, Island of Misfit Toys Collector, Treasures for Trigger, Anything Joe's, Toy Domination, Codename, New 202, Articulated Points, Podcast from the Pit, Agent Chuckles, Cobra Convergence 7 kicks off July 1st and ends July 31st. The calendar is live at hcc788.com right now. Follow every presenter so you don't miss any vital communiques. See you in July. means the start of the 50th Missile for the Masses. I am your host, Gary, and this is the Chaplin's Assistance Motor Pod. This is the podcast where I take a look at a G.I. Joe vehicle, playset, or even trailer from the A Real American Hero toy line from 1982 to present day. I also talk a little bit about what's going on in my life of collecting, whether that be mail calls, news, or comics as it relates to G.I. Joe and other similar military and adventure toy lines. Now, this is a very special missile. It's number 50. Now, normally, like comic books, it's an event episode. If you heard the precursor to the start, this is my Cobra Convergence 7 entry. Thanks to Hooded Cobra Commander 788, for having me on as one of the presenters this month, this year. You can find the full list of presenters and schedule at hcc788.com. To celebrate this event in this monumental number of episodes of this podcast, in keeping with the theme of this year's convergence of spies and saboteurs, I chose a vehicle from the G.I. Joe Spy Troops line. 
I mean, it literally says spy in the toy line, so it is part of the theme by default. Really, before I start in going into what's going on in my life of collecting, I also want to say if you want to prep for this episode by watching the YouTube video with Hooded Cobra Commander 7088 and myself, just check out his YouTube channel. Uh, just search on YouTube for Hooded Cobra Commander 7088, and it should be there about exactly the same time as this missile's been published. But before I get there, what's going on in my life as a collector is I've been charged for the current wave of the G.I. Joe classified line. So we're talking about the wave with Torpedo and Shipwreck and Rock and Roll. They haven't arrived yet, but I have tracking numbers and... They should be arriving any day now, courtesy of FedEx, as long as they don't text me yet another date because of delays. This is the last full wave I've ordered and haven't thought about which characters I'm keeping. The images online of Rock and Roll look awesome, and Bazooka looks promising. I am patiently awaiting the announcements of Alpine and Quick Kick for the most iconic Joe trio for my collection. In other Cobra-related collecting news is that I assembled my sealed contents Cobra detonator that I got from Jocon. It turns out it wasn't a sealed box. The box was resealed with scotch tape. And when I opened the box, it was a mess inside. The catalog and decals were stuck together with mold. Many of the bad contents had fallen off the trees. So combined with the less-than-perfect box and interior contents, it continued to be the less-than-perfect example, a perfect candidate for building. Again, the reason why I bought it. Now, while some guys like gunpowder or laser-scented candles and call up a DVD or YouTube to have G.I. Joe playing in the background, my moments of zen are the random moments of quiet in my house, and I take those when I can get them. So in the quiet corner of my room, I began the process of opening the bags and emptying the box. Thankfully, the instructions were still clean, and I did indeed use them. It went together pretty straightforward, especially because everything was there. And it was really nice not worrying about broken or missing parts with this later 90s vehicle, or, well, 1993 vehicle, because it's one that has a lot of missing or broken parts when you look for it on the secondary market. It went together pretty straightforward, and the only stress that exists is the one of breaking it during assembly, like if it was the Ninja Force Ninja Cycle. It didn't break, but to say that there's no issues after assembly would be lying about the detonator. And I'll save those for the eventual review. Toy Hack stickers are available, and I'll order them, along with the Cobra Rat, and I know it's G.I. Joe, but the G.I. Joe Warthog, so I'll bundle those and save a little bit. The Nitro Viper is just so clean, and I did post just before July of him being ready to be opened by my Medi Viper that I recently got as well. I did struggle internally with, do I cut the bag open or not? I mean, this Nitro Viper was clean. In the end, I wound up 
on eBay and I watched a whole bunch of them. And eventually, one of the sellers uh, made an offer that I felt was reasonable for a complete Nitro Viper in decent shape. I clicked accept offer and it's on its way to me now. The Neon 90s are alive and well in my house and I'm happy to be celebrating these often less appreciated toys. There are definitely some diamonds in the rough and I continue to enjoy them as I get to experience many of these for the first time. For my Cobra Conversion 7 entry, Spies and Saboteurs, and also for my 50th Missile for the Masses, I chose the Cobra vehicle, the 2003 Cobra Ringneck. I chose this because I wanted to do something from the Spy Troops line, because it had Spy in the title for the theme, and also because it's also not a often looked at era from the G.I. Joe line. So I figured it was a potential mine for ideas. Now, three years ago, I took a look at probably one of my favorite toys from the Spy Troops line on my YouTube channel, the Conquest of Cobra Mountain playset. And I was looking through some of the other things from that line as, you know, what is a good idea? And I looked at this Cobra Ringneck on Yojo.com, and I said, that looks like it has some promise. It should have some good discussion points, and I went looking for one. I didn't have one in my collection. This is one of the few reviews where I needed to get the item to review. Uh, perused eBay, and I was looking through these. So if you're looking to get a Cobra Ringneck, and depending on the rest of this review, you can decide if you want one or not. But I will say this, it is a lot easier and less time-consuming to buy one complete. The parts are out there on eBay, and that's what I'm going to judge all of this on. But in general, you'll spend a lot more putting one together from a partial, if you can. Several pieces are commonly missing, and... It's probably easier just to buy a complete from a reputable seller or even what I did was I bought it new. So I bought one new in package and opened it up for the review. Much like the Cobra Detonator, it was done at a quiet moment in my house when everybody was sleeping. So it's not like I could light the laser scented candles and pop on a Joe tune. So... In my moments, I opened it up, I took a look at it, and really got the feeling for what it what it is for this review. When I open it up, what do you look at? When you get it in the mail, what do you look at? You know, what would have been on the shelf at your local store? Well, you got the Cobra Ringneck in its green box. So the box is in that Spy Troops livery of a nice, bright, forest green it has the retro inspired gi joe logo with you know the gi joe head you know above the j but with the a real american hero red white and blue stripes after it with little stars and it says gi joe versus cobra it is the spy troops cobra ring neck 
It's an armored transport with removable gunner stations. It even says, try me, action attack sounds, you know, ages five and up. And it comes with a silver Neo Viper. And the box has a giant cutout. So this is a box. It was designed, um, it's a battery powered vehicle. So you push the rear bumper. It makes little gun firing, laser firing sounds. And we'll get to more than that in a little bit. But there you go. There's some of the marketing for it. Like, hey, kids, try this. So we have the sound gimmick usually skews towards a younger audience or or a younger play pattern. And you turn it all the way around to the back and you get, let's highlight the features. Uh, the spy troops forces add the element of surprise to the battle between G.I. Joe and Cobra. Both teams go undercover into enemy territory to launch attacks and sabotage the enemy's plans. Penetrating deep behind G.O. Joe lines, Neo Viper troopers in the Cobra Ringneck vehicle act as covert scouts, avoiding contact and holding their fire. They keep Cobra High Command updated by sending coded signals transmitted in compressed flash format to avoid radio triangulation detection. The objective, degrade the tactical abilities of the G.I. Joe team by harassment and espionage. And we have three views, a top view, a side view, and a front view of the Cobra Ringneck pointing out the removable gun stations. Press button to fire missile from launcher. Move handle to rotate side gun stations and hear firing sounds. Push vehicle for engine sounds. And they call these the action attack, action activated sounds. That's the marketing. Again, this is has the spring-fired gimmicks. It has movable and removable gun stations. But last but not least, it comes with a driver, the Silver Neo Viper. And what's also good is he gets his own file card. Now, the Neo Vipers were, for my opinion, overused in the G.I. Joe line of this era, basically separating them out from the regular Vipers, which would be a reused mold uh, found in many of the O-ring packs. Now, a little bit about this Neo Viper is this is one of the O-ring Neo Vipers with regular legs. And by regular legs, I'm talking about the O-ring through the hook, you know, with the regular or 1982 to 94 inspired waist piece, not the T crotch, as some of these also have. That alone makes this one of the superior Neo Vipers. It's pretty much molded all in silver. He has black boots. He has little pockets on the outside of each boot. He has a gun in a holster on his upper right thigh. And on his left thigh, molded in silver, is like some ammo pouches. Now, it looks almost like shotgun shells. The pistol and holster on his right thigh is painted black, like the boots. And it has a belt that wraps around that is 
not painted. It's still in that silver. We move up to the waist, and he has a black belt with a little Cobra stylized logo as a belt buckle. It seems to be painted like a dark blue in contrast to the flat black of the rest of the belt. And the belt has five pouches, one in the very back, two over each hip. And then he has even more like ammo storage on his left hip, you know, left rear hip. Now we move up, we get to his torso again in that silver. He has like a vest over it with a dark blue Cobra stylized sigil in the center. He is from 2003 and he's not one of the reused molds. So he is the big shoulders character. And those are again, same silver, has a pocket over each upper arm. And it goes down to black gloves where the right hand is traditionally positioned and the left hand is turned, the wrist is turned 90 degrees. The only real way to really notice this difference is when the elbows are locked at 90 degrees and it really doesn't affect the way the figure holds things, but you can tell when the character is, you know, at rest. If you, if you angle the elbow similarly, you can tell the difference between the way he holds. It would work well for holding a rifle in his right hand where he would hold the pistol grip in the right hand and the left hand would be cupping the barrel or even, let's say, popping in a fresh magazine. Now, the head is molded again in silver. He has a black face mask and black goggles. So it's similar mold as to many other Neo Vipers. It's just in silver rather than the red or the yellow. And he's got you know, normal G.I. Joe three and three quarter legs. One thing to note about this era of the big shoulders characters, their torsos tend to be shorter than the traditional torsos. But to make up for the shorter torso, each character got longer legs. The one good thing about this is their heads don't stick up above roll bars in other G.I. Joe vehicles. That's right. I'm basically talking about the vamp and it's offshoots, and also vehicles like the Eliminator. Now, let's talk about the character of the Neo Viper. The Neo Viper Force is the new wave of Cobra infantry. Chosen for their independent thinking, initiative, and daring, they are expected to carry the fight far inside G.I. Joe territory. They are equipped with armored climate control suits that enable them to function efficiently in extreme environments, and they are given advanced training in deep battle tactics, survival procedures, and high-tech weapon systems management. A Neo Viper driver is uniquely suited to man the Cobra Ringneck and utilize it as an advanced scout vehicle. Neo Viper troops are aggressive, yet wary, attentive to detail, yet practical, sneaky, yet trustworthy, ferocious in combat, yet willing to retreat tactically. This is a combination of traits that makes them formidable foes and the last thing that the G.I. Joe team wants to have sneaking up on them from their left flank. Nothing makes our day like watching the G.I. Joe team roll right past us while we are undercover and camouflaged, especially when we call artillery in on them.
this Neo Viper thing. Now you know where they got the idea for these for the Rise of Cobra. I know the Rise of Cobra was heavily influenced by Sigma Six, but still, this is where the Neo Vipers came from. These superb soldiers that seemingly don't need leadership because they have initiative on their own. They really do a good job of playing both sides of the coin on this. The only description I don't agree with on the file card is this line. Sneaky, yet trustworthy. Now, we're talking about Cobra operatives, and we want to make these guys seem competent. But I don't know if I would call any Cobra character or even troop builder trustworthy. All in all, this is one of those things where you could tell that this was a Hasbro written file card where the characters are like superheroes and supervillains and not really grounded. However, this would almost make these Neo Vipers equivalent to SEAL Team 6 or other elite military units. Moving on to the Ringneck itself, the Ringneck is a 6x6 wheeled vehicle that is basically molded in like a dark gray with dark blue or even purple camouflage. The Ringneck came pre-stickered in the box, so there's no sticker sheet to apply your Cobra decals or vents or even the CB-187. It comes in the box all wired up, so there's no assembly other than some minor things like popping on the antenna and plugging the missile into the cannon. It has black plastic tires with silver rims. It has a front bumper that's molded in a similar silver to a lot of the other plastic, but I wouldn't say it's similar to the rims of the ring neck. But this silver can be seen in this a front gun, the two turret guns, the main cannon and its missile, the turret canopy, and antenna. There is also some darker gray details in the rear of the ring neck. And then you also have the removable turrets, which are molded in a off gray, where at each one has three feet molded in that silver of the cannons, and also each double-barreled machine gun. Picturing this without going on YouTube is um, I was talking with my dad. My dad saw it when he came over one day and he's, you know, rolling his eyes. And then I, I asked him, I said, this reminds me of a vehicle. And I says, I can't think of what it is, but this reminds me of a World War II vehicle. And my dad immediately looked at it and he's like, yeah, that's an M8 Greyhound or M8 Greyhound inspired toy. And sure enough, I look it up on Wikipedia and there it is. The M8 Greyhound is a light armored car, and it was built by the Ford Motor Company for World War II. It was used from 1943 until the end of the war by the U.S. and British forces in Europe and the Pacific theaters. This vehicle was also widely exported and, according to Wikipedia, is still used today and when the article was written in 2006... They say it was, you know, active then. So it might be a little outdated, but this, for whatever reason, has had a long tenure. It was considered lightly armored 
particularly the whole floor where anti-tank mines could easily penetrate it. But it was produced in large numbers and the excellent road mobility made it a great supportive element in the American and British armored columns. It was marginal off-road, especially in mud. Now back to G.I. Joe. Bringing this back to the ringneck, the biggest difference between the M8 and the ringneck is the ringneck has a center front like driver position with a small gun in front that's angled up about 20 to 30 degrees. And it looks almost comically small. It looks almost like a fire hose attachment. It reminds me of when my son was little, he had this fire engine from Paw Patrol. It has a little sight on the front, but it doesn't really help make me not think of like a little fire hose thing. In like a lot of G.I. Joe vehicles, this position is basically not armored. Here's where your Neo Viper can take one in the chest or the head. Now you move to each side, left and right, you have the removable gunner stations. And each gunner station has this double-barreled machine gun. And when you remove them, they come right out. They have three feet that keeps them standing straight up. So I don't know what this does for you. Um, it's just like a little gimmick. And But when you put them back in, the, each peg is shaped like a D. So it keys in. So this way, when you push in that rear bumper, activating the sounds, they swivel from straight to more towards a flanking position. They turn about 45 degrees. You move behind those two gunner stations, and then you get to the rear four tires. But in the center, you have the main cannon turret. Now, the good thing about the main cannon turret is you can put a figure in there and then flip down the cover, and the character is actually, for lack of a better term, safe inside. They are not an easy target, much like the gunner and commander in a real tank. That is a part of this that I really enjoy. The M8 light-armored car essentially would have, in front of the main cannon, the two gunner positions, similar to a tank, and easy way to think about it would be the mauler, and then they are, they're also covered as well. This does differ slightly, but I can see the resemblance in why my dad immediately made the connection, which allowed me to talk about it. The turret is nice. You have a little black button that launches the missile out of it, and it's a good strong spring, at least mine is. Overall, the ring neck is about 12 inches long. It has the crew of four. And let's dive into the blueprints. Now, the blueprints are actually pretty simple on this one because it just tells you on one page how to move the handles and press the buttons or and how to replace the batteries. But on the other side where it would be listing off all the key features of the ring neck, it's Four things, weapon sounds, firing missile, engine sounds, and removable rotating gun stations. So the only thing you haven't heard is the engine sounds, which are activated by spinning the front tires. Now, 
the other thing, when this ship, there's a little switch on the bottom. You can't get the engine sounds with leaving it in demo mode. So you switch the switch and play. And you get that nice diesel sound. This makes it, again, suitable. It is, again, like I would say, it skews younger. But nothing is out of place for this. I feel the the looks and the presentation of this is not dissimilar to many things in the vintage line with, let's say, the open cockpit and the open gunner stations. But the noise effects are definitely different and additional to the G.I. Joe toys that wouldn't really be present from the original A Real American Hero toy line from the first 13 years. Now, how would I crew if I'm playing with this? How would I crew the Cobra Ringneck? And before I crew, how would I be using the Cobra Ringneck? Well, I would be using this in infantry. It would be an attacking vehicle. I don't know if I would do the spy troops method of leaving it behind enemy lines, camouflaged, undercover. I don't think that this really lends itself to something that would be hidden, that would be inserting spies or saboteurs behind enemy lines. To me, this would be something similar like an advancing light armored vehicle, uh, similar to something like the original Hiss from 1983. Let's say your Cobra forces didn't have a Cobra Hiss tank for whatever reason. They could use the Cobra Ringneck. That main cannon would provide ample firepower. It wouldn't have the reload capacity or the firing rate of the Hiss's twin cannons. But you actually have like almost a proper tank in that regard. Now, the driver having his little water hose weapon, and the two gunner stations having those double-barreled uh, laser guns or machine guns. Those provide, you know, light firepower while the ring neck is reloading for the next round. This is something that you could say is an anti-tank weapon for Cobra. With the heavier firepower, it definitely works. Because it has wheels, this is definitely suited more for urban environments rather than all-terrain, much like a tank or a hiss would be. That ties into how I would crew this. So the box shows only Neo-Vipers on this. But looking at you know some figures from around that era, I saw that the Shock Viper from the Serpentor 2-pack would be a good fit in that dark blue. He is a repainted ice cream soldier. Another character that would look and work really good would be the Crimson Guard Immortal version 2 from the 2003 Cobra Cat number 2. So he's a vehicle commander. You would have to buy that Toys R Us exclusive to fit him in here. And again, he has a similar color scheme to the Cobra Ringneck. And to go with the urban assault theme of the Cobra Ringneck, I immediately thought of the Alley Viper and looking through these middle years, the Big Shoulder era, where they did reuse a lot of the 90s molds, was there were some decent reuses of the Alley Viper V2 mold from 
93. I was looking at version 5 from 2002's 2-pack with Big Ben. There's the version 7 from 2003 or the version 9 from 2004. They're all in dark colors. They all blend well with the ring neck. They're not going to stand out. That's not to say you can't use a version 1 or version 2 from the original line because those colors would really pop against the Cobra ring neck and really stand out. That would be more toyetic. That would be not as quote-unquote realistic or realism-inspired as the other modern ones, but during photography and stuff like that would really show up well. And I stayed away from most his tank drivers because their specialties with tanks, you know, tank treads. But I did put as an honorable mention, rip it from the 1998 his three. He's just got the splash of color and he just looks good. What can I say? This is an urban assault vehicle. It's kind of tankish, but it's not a tank because there's no tank treads. And it's a toy that skews younger because of the play features and because of the action sounds. It's not a model like a lot of G.I. Joe vehicles from the vintage era are, and that's what I liked. One of the things I always loved is building G.I. Joe vehicles. But it does skew towards realism with a couple toyetic touches, like the front and center vehicle driver. So where would I rate it on a scale of 0 to 5 removable gunner stations? I will give this three and a half out of five removable gunner stations. Overall, I think it's pretty solid. I feel that the action features don't detract too much from the toy itself. What hurts it is it's from those middle years. So it does skew younger, but it is a good toy and it doesn't seem too out of place on a battlefield with his tanks, you know, Series 1, Series 2, or Stingers, or Asps. It could really benefit from a tow hook, but I like it. It's pretty good. Thank you for listening to the Chaplain's Assistance Motorpod. I have been your host, Gary, and I would again like to thank Hooded Cobra Commander 788 for having me be officially part of the event this year. It has been a real pleasure. For more Chaplain's Assistance Motorpod, you can follow me on social media at Chaplain Joe Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and sometimes even YouTube. If you'd like to email me, it's chaplainjoepod at gmail.com. Please like, share, subscribe, or rate this podcast on whichever podcast platform you're listening to. It only helps improve and grow this podcast. If you're listening on Spotify, our host, you can look at the poll or answer the questions that accompany this. The Chaplain's Motorpod is the strange, but not as strange, nerdy little brother of the pint, a pop culture podcast. You can search them on Facebook and Instagram. And now, one final message for the masses. Be decent to each other. <laughs>